This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders as the first people of Australia. They have never ceded sovereignty and remain strong in their enduring connection to land and culture. Well may we say God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 80 for Friday, 8th of February 2019. I'm Jeremy Sear, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's about to happen to it, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is a returning guest host, Cam Smith. Welcome back, Cam. Thank you. I feel welcome. And you've been brought back for quite a bumper one. It's partly bumper because we've had a week or two off due to, you know, a small human being produced in this household. And... That means that there's a whole lot of things that I really wanted to talk about that, like, I had everything ready to go, like, a week ago, and I, we couldn't do it. So there's stuff we're going to have to sort of let slip back through. And most importantly, the, the big thing that we're not going to let slip back through, but that we're just going to have to put off to next week so we can do it justice, is all of the nasty war on the poor shit that this government has been up to. And so flagging at the beginning here, the, the stuff about Parents Next, the stuff about the cashless welfare card, the, what's happening with RoboDebt, all of these things, there is, qu- there is quite a lot of stuff from this government's war on the poor. The bit where they were, uh, the financial penalties being applied to homeless people who don't have anything whatsoever. All of that, that's stuff that we need to discuss, but it, it's, let's do it next week where we can do it justice. Mm. So in the meantime, let's... Knock over very quickly the uh, situation as we start this year with the Morrison government, and they've lost Keenan and now they've lost O'Dwyer, and they've lost Scullion. Cam, it's one of those things where, you know, the old Oscar Wilde quote about, you know, if you lose one one uh, grand, lose one parent, uh, misfortune, if you lose two, carelessness. In the case of Libs, obviously, each minister they lose is, you know, to the benefit of themselves as well as the parliament because each of them, you know, brings the average down. Mm. But um, <laughs> they these were all sort of over the break. Um, they, they lost broad over that sexting uh, issue. Issue? <laughs> like, it's an issue that he was doing. He's, he's, he's creepy James Bond thing. Um, no, it was more a scandal than an issue. But there, it, there's sort of this sense of rats leaving the sinking ship. Actually... <laughs> Albanese had a had a crack about uh, Warren Mundine going across to the former ALP president going across to the Libs about uh, and the reference was uh, the gag was the first person first time you know rats joined the sinking ship yeah uh, given some of the historical uh, references to indigenous peoples possibly an unfortunate linkage suggesting you know I, I get I get where he was going with it um, perhaps a little unfortunate although I, I imagine it, it seemed pretty pretty cool when he said it but yes. It gave the impression that the government was falling apart. And then, of course, as soon as the uh, the news polls started up for the year, they're like, look, there's a marginal improvement in their bottom line. It was still massive defeat and still losing, it's still a wipeout electorally, but slightly better. Look, if, if these trends continue, hey, pointing at the dead goldfish in their shoes. So 
the thing about rats leaving a sinking ship, though, is that, I mean, that's a sensible course of action. <laughs> it is. Uh, but it does confirm that the ship is probably sinking. Now, I don't want Labor to get uh, complacent about it. Uh, I would like Labor not to win a majority in their own right and have to work with the, with the Greens, but the Greens are having their own challenges at the moment. I still think that it's better that we have a parliament where the, the Labor Party has to deal with them because they force Labor to be uh, less monstrous in the right-wing shit that Labor does. But I don't. I'd, I still fear that the, uh, the ALP, based on previous uh, form, even though it seems impossible and it seems like all the people who are in both parties have no doubt that the Libs are on the way out. I still don't... I, 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 it has to be the election night before I'm, I'm going to... I've just... I've been burnt, Cam. I've been burnt before. Yeah, I'm, I mean, if you look at the example of the Victorian state government, where the Andrews government's just been returned on a you know, larger majority, and the lesson they seem to have taken from it is the right one, which is, you know, progressive politics win progressive votes... Uh, I don't think that's the lesson that Labor is going to take when they beat the Libs who are losing just due to sheer incompetence. Yeah, no, federal Labor is absolutely paranoid about being um, pigeonholed about uh, as being weak on the borders or all this other stuff rather than doing what they're doing on the taxing. Now, I, we'll get to that in just a second, but before we do that, I did want to play well, on the subject of Liberals leaving. Uh, I wanted to play <laughs> what Scullion, Scullion's plans for retirement. If, if I was a wild pig, a duck or a mud crab, I'd start getting nervous. You know, that's the only plan I've got. I'm going to eat more mud crabs, you know, catch more barramundi, shoot more wild pigs. I have no, no plan beyond that. Uh, I'm retiring. I don't know what the future will hold for me, uh, but the most important thing is to maintain my compact with the Territory people. They put me here. They deserve complete honesty from me, and that's exactly what they're going to get. <laughs> the most important thing is to kill as much shit as I can on the way out. Yeah. Now, whether that will be... Maybe he's got no plans at the moment. It'll be interesting to see which mining company snaps him up shortly after he leaves politics, but anyway. Oh, isn't that... That's the point of dragging it out till May. So, well, two points, it appears to me. Or three. One is, it's nice being in power and a couple more months of that. It's just satisfying. And and obviously, Scummo would like to be prime minister. You know, he'd like it to be... There'd be a slightly higher bar for people to go past his record in, in office. So, yeah. like, the longer he can squeeze it out, the better for him. Obviously, the other thing is, of course, they can stack a whole bunch of boards. Uh, they can line up some lovely post-parliamentary uh, jobs for themselves. Uh, they've got time to do that if they if they stay in office rather than calling the election being sort of run out of the country. And I also think the other thing is they're going to try and squeeze in a fake budget surplus just before the election so that they can, for the next, you know, there are some dodgy economic headwinds coming based largely on their staggering incompetence in government uh, and they'd quite like to be able to bash the Labor Party over the head with it uh, um, for the rest of the term um, and say, look, we we, ha- we delivered a surplus and since us, since it's all been deficits, um, I suspect they'd like to quite try and sort of shamelessly engineer that just so that they have a talking point for the for the next parliament uh, when they're in opposition. Mm. If they can, if they can do that and not just have to let a bomb through, uh, I think that would probably be their preference. Well, I mean, it can't be the, the idea of going early if you're on a hiding to nothing is to sort of save the furniture. But at this point, they they could, it couldn't be worse for them. I think they're they're you know going to lose as many seats as they possibly could. So at this point, they I guess they feel that if they can hang around a bit longer, 
maybe there'll be a miracle. Mm. Maybe there'll be some kind of, uh, you know, one of those horrible things that, that gets uh, conservative governments elected, like when Howard was definitely... He was on his way out in 2001 until Tampa came in and then September 11. So, you know... We assume that they're on the way out, but we don't know what the events are going to be between now and May, and they don't, and there's a non-zero chance something might happen that will switch things around. Mm. Maybe Bill Shorten will, I don't know, say something ridiculous and uh, make himself unelectable. Yeah. Um, but that said, at least the ALP is sticking to their policy on getting rid of the bloody franking credits cash rebate rort. Yes. Now, they're being way too generous with it in that they are keeping the rebates full. Like, they're still going to give franking credit rebates up until zero, um, and they're going to grandfather a bunch of the changes. Uh, but fundamentally, the policy is to stop uh, paying cash to rich retirees who own a lot of shares. Mm. And they're going completely bonkers. Um, I, I love that they call it... Uh, sorry, because the policy is not about retirees per se. It's just about if you don't pay any tax and you have shares, you don't get a payout from the government as a rebate for the tax you don't pay. Like 100% of the people affected by this are the people who pay zero tax. Yes. Because if you're paying any tax, this would reduce it down. It would still affect you. It would still... Like, it only affects you if you're not paying any tax and where you don't get the, the payout from other taxpayers. And and yeah, the Libs are campaigning on it, calling it the retirement tax. How's it a tax that you don't get given money? They weren't the first people to call it a retirement tax, of course. Where did that come from? That honour goes to the fund manager, Jeff Wilson. Wilson. Wilson, eh? Why do I know that name? That surname is familiar. Well, normally in an article uh, about this, you'd say Jeff Wilson, no relation to Liberal MP Tim Wilson holding the uh, parliamentary hearings into the proposed changes, but they can't put that because they are related. This first cousin once removed count as a relation? I mean, the fact that they both have the same name is because they have a common ancestor named Wilson in through the male line and they've, that's how they've got their Wilsons. Yeah, it is a little... It's a bit of a tenuous family link. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're not seeing each other at Christmas. No, the grandfather of one of them is the great-grandfather of another. So, what that, which means that one of their parents is a cousin of yeah. the other one. Yeah, that's... Yeah, they're cousins. Wait a minute. I think Tim's... One of Tim's parents is a cousin of... Of the Jeff Wilson guy. Yeah, it's like a cousin once removed sort of thing. That's not that far, actually. It's a, oh, it's a little way. I'm going to... I will give no, them... No, no. Hang on. I know I, I know my first cousins well. Like, you know your cousins. Yeah, you know your first cousins. And I know their kids. Yeah. And their kids know me. That's all it is. That, that relationship isn't that far at all, actually. I Like, I'd got it in my head that it was a much more distant thing than that. But that's not... That's not that distant. Right. Families where they know cousins and they're just like, it's just the, the kids of a, of a cousin. Now, I'm prepared to give them the benefit of the doubt there. That they didn't know? Well, not, not that they didn't know, but not, not that it's not some nefarious nepotism thing. I think it's more likely that the corruption is related to the fact that Tim Wilson is an investor in funds that are run by Jeff Wilson. Yeah, it'd be a bit of a coincidence if he didn't know that he was related when he invested in it. But anyway, the point is that they, they know each other. Mm. They uh, have worked together and they work together on this ridiculous uh, stop the retirement tax thing. And, and Wilson, who's chair of this parliamentary committee, this inquiry, was then lining it up, lining up his hearings so that they were at the same time that, that Jeff Wilson's company was holding their, their um, investor meetings, so they could all be in the same... How convenient! It's very convenient. I mean, why, why shouldn't parliamentary business be arranged around the commercial interests of uh, a relative and, uh, and business associate of the person who's conducting the... Uh, who's chair of that uh, inquiry? Well, I mean, what, what could be wrong with that? There's been some very good uh, journalisms. As in journalists noticing that people have pointed stuff out on Twitter and then going and looking into it to themselves. Yes. 
Fair enough, but uh, the Sydney Morning Herald, in uh, an article called uh, Wilson and Wilson, the MP, the fund manager, and the franking credits inquiry, they do note that uh, the Stop the Retirement Tax website and Jeff Wilson's web, the asset, Wilson Asset Management website, both use identical photos in their campaigning against the tax, the so-called tax. So the Stop the Retirement Tax website, is that the, the Tim Wilson one that he was using as the the one that you had to go through to book uh, if you wanted to appear and give evidence at this at these hearings, yes. um, which they're only holding in places with retirees who they who are great. Like it's not a widespread. They're not calling other taxpayers to come in and say, "Hang on, I'm funding what? Mm. I go out and work. I'm in poverty, paying off, paying you know because all my, all the properties have been bought bought up by these boomers who aren't being taxed." I'm paying them inflated rents, and what I'm also out of my taxes, giving them a cash rebate because they're rich enough to own shares of a substantial enough value to, to be getting dividends that are of such a huge amount on their tax-free income. What the frick? Anyway, those people aren't being invited to give evidence and to be heard. No. The other thing about it is it's come out, uh, I think, today, as we record this, that uh, Jeff Wilson, as he tells retirees, you know, Labor's coming after your money, he's telling his investors this is a... a, Labor's proposal is pointless because we'll just change the way that we do this so that it won't affect us. Which is weird in so many ways. One, it completely undermines their entire whinge. Two, look, Jeff, uh, I don't believe you. I don't believe that there are ways that you can just redirect your client's money um, just to avoid tax. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what your scheme is just i'd just like to hear it a bit more uh i'd, I'd like the ato to be listening in on this and uh, other political parties that might want to do something about it do tell us more about your ways that you're specifically going to duck this um duck paying tax further because like you bastards aren't paying any tax we're all paying tax we workers who are, who are being screwed in housing and everything else we're paying tax the bloody these people with incomes much greater than ours are getting tax-free incomes, and we're paying them cash as well. Anyway, sorry, no. Please do share share more of these uh, little loopholes that you're aware of, uh, and and you know if uh, political parties may come into office and then close those loopholes down, that that would be. I mean, who who can say if that might happen? Do tell us more. So the other thing that came out today was that uh, this was not the only sort of uh, astroturfing operation in effect. There was also a group called the Defenders of Self-Funded Retirees. Also Liberal Party Front? <laughs> yes, well, they've been going around as a grassroots organisation of, you know, just disgruntled retirees. Uh, it's actually a network of professional lobbyists involved in the trucking industry in the Liberal Party, according to the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, would they be con- connected? Are they the ones who are connected to the convoy of no confidence or whatever it was, the Wingers about the um, carbon price? Yes. They're managed by Robert Gunning, who's a Liberal Party member and was a candidate for the Senate in the ACT. Uh, he was one of the guys that organised the convoy of no confidence, if you remember that from a few years ago. I do. Just for people who don't remember it, it just it was one of the classic whinges when they were compla- trying to beat up that Julia Gillard was bringing in a carbon tax that was going to make roasts in Whale or $100. And, you know, that, that moment when we had a carbon price which, where emissions were actually reduced and they're like, won't work, will hurt, and it didn't hurt. Uh, we didn't get any money back when they repealed it and uh, it did actually reduce emissions. So everything they claimed was untrue. But, yes, they had a blockade of the Parliament House with trucks and shit to try and highlight. How, I, I imagine that was about the same time as the photographs of, um, you know, July, Bob Brown's bitch and all that behind for, with Sophie Panopoulos and... Uh, Sorry, Mirabella and um, 
Tony Abbott and, and uh, Bronwyn Bishop and all the campaigners who, who demand civility in politics. So one of the things that mentions in this article is that he has said before that his proudest achievement was the abolition of Labor's Road Safety Remuneration Tribunal, which I don't know if you remember that, but that was uh, something that Labor brought in which was designed to try to minimise uh, trucking deaths by having you know some sort of standard in pay so that it wasn't you know profitable to have people doing ridiculously long shifts on the road. Yeah, I can see why he'd be proud of that. And uh, yeah, the tr- the trucking industry, that is not the people driving the trucks. The people who own the trucks. Uh, managed to get that scrapped a couple of years ago. But, uh, they The trucking industry, that was definitely a win for them. Uh, not sure if this one will be. The other thing was this this, this website that, that uh, I think it was Tim Wilson's was the Stop the Retirement Tax website. But it was the one that it had the parliamentary logo and it had the, uh, it was it was basically done as if it was the inquiry's actual page. Now you would think that's a weird URL for the inquiry's actual page, but if you keep in mind that the inquiry is 100% you know, taxpayers funding a liberal attack on an opposition policy. Like, this is a parliamentary committee inquiring into a misrepresentation of an opposition policy. Where they're not in government. It's not an inquiry into an actual policy being enacted. It's basically the Libs uh, trying to to scare uh, retirees. Because I, I suspect that the reason why they're calling it a retiree tax rather than what it is, which is an end to the uh, cash rebates from franking credits, is because if you call it a retiree tax, then the nation's retirees get scared and they think you're coming after them even though the vast majority of the nation's retirees are not benefiting from this rort at all, and it doesn't affect them in the slightest. No. But the sa- a retiree tax sounds like it. Anyway, this website, which was acting as if it was from the, pal- the, the actual committee itself, before you could register to be heard at this inquiry, you had to... And it, it, it gave you the error, you know, the error when you, you try to submit a, a form on the web and, it, and, and it's saying, no, no, you have to fill in this field. You had to select to agree to uh, Tim's submission, his, uh, his, his objection to his protest um, about it. And uh, to sign, I think you also had to sign up to the, the um, his, his par- party political campaign on it. Yeah. Now, hypothetically, there is another uh, parliamentary uh, website where you could have registered your interest in attending, but that one they did not publicise. No. They publicised the other one, which was through the Liberal Party, which is shonky as hell. Uh, and once once it, they were rumbled with the bit that they were forcing people to sign up to the parts that were party political before they could be heard, uh, they, mm. then, they then they're like, oh, no, it was an accident. An accident. It's an error. We didn't mean that. And they changed it. Uh, definitely the, the, the hurried scrubbing of the evidence was definitely the act of uh, above-board uh, honest actors who can be trusted and uh, not you know, debasing Parliament for their own uh, just... Well, debasing... I mean, obviously, politicians debase Parliament all the time, but mm. this is debasing what are supposed to be the mechanisms by which stuff actually gets done. Uh, which is, uh, and the idea, the amount that we we taxpayers are paying for this Liberal Party rort is just, and, and oh, sorry, in terms of the actual rort itself, the amount of money that's going to be recovered that we're paying back to these very rich people, it's billions of dollars. It's huge the amount of money that we're losing. If you can, if we got rid of the franking credits full stop, which is what I would like to do, uh, then then it would be, you know, it would, it would fix any budget deficit immediately. But even uh, even just stopping the cash rebates, which are 100% a rort that, that these financial advisors have been, since Costello brought them in 20 years ago, they've been advising clients on how to structure their affairs so that they don't pay any tax and get cash out of the government. Like, hmm. then they're turning around going, well, it's unfair for you to change the rules midway through. Yeah. Well, they changed the rules, like, 
Gasello changed the rules. And this government's just got rid of penalty rates. They changed the rules that people are buying. Like, why is it that the investments that rich people uh, put money into, those should be protected by the government? Particularly when you're talking about not investments, but rich people taking advantage of a scheme to rip off the taxpayer. Why should the government go, well, fair, fair point. Look, uh, we did set it up so you could get away with that. So I suppose we've just got to do that forever. Yeah. It's a point that we've, I think, hit on a few times in the past, Jeremy, when we've been talking but it's interesting, you know, the call for civility in politics. Yeah. Where they don't want us to tell them to get fucked. And yet obscenities like this are fine. <laughs> I I find obscenities that, like, destroy public revenue and cause genuine harm far, far more offensive than any rude Anglo-Saxon word. Mm. Now, the last bit I'd like to make a point, but then we'll talk, I want to talk more generally about, about the, the crap that Scummo is saying about taxes and tax cuts and shit in his campaign but just on the franking credits thing i think this is a spectacular example of the liberals living in their own bubble because the people that they talk to their mates will make lots of money out of this mm. uh, particularly the people who donate money to them make lots of money out of this oh i love that whole argument that um you know this this cancer ward only gets funded because we're this person's getting all this money from the taxpayer you know if we took that money back then then the ward wouldn't be able to be funded well, the taxpayer would have the money. The taxpayer could fund it properly. And it wouldn't be at the discretion of rich people whether or not they feel like donating some of the ill-gotten gains that they took from the taxpayer. Anyway, it seems to me that this is an example of the Libs um, thinking, not not thinking this through and being and lacking empathy, which is a fundamental conservative trait, um, lacking empathy for people who, don't, who aren't in their circumstance, to the point where it's it's this is a fault that I think will come back to bite them because the reason they got away with this since Costello brought it in for this, what, 10, 15 years, is because the people who weren't affected by it, well, sorry, we're all affected by it because we're paying taxes that are being diluted this way, but the people who weren't taking advantage of it didn't know it existed. They didn't realise they were being screwed. They didn't realise that they were paying taxes for that money to be redirected to really, really rich people who were screwing them. Well, it's like, I don't know if you saw, I think it was the Daily Telegraph published like a, a hit piece on the, the retirement tax. And they had the, the case studies of the people that would be affected. And I think it was, you know, this woman uh, is making $150,000 a year uh, between her... Well, 160000 tax-free she was getting. Yeah. And, and, and she was going to get 13000 get back from the taxpayer for tax that she didn't pay. Yeah, so, but her income was made up of... Uh, Shared dividends, I think it was like 50000 in shared dividends and the rest in other income. But she'd have to have like millions of dollars in shares. It would have to be insane amounts of money. And she, yeah, she was going to lose out on $13,000 a year. So being, was, give, not, yeah, being given to her by being given to her when she so, doesn't pay any tax. So her annual income now is going to be going from $173,000 to $160,000. Now, <laughs> you're absolutely right. They're, they're in their bubble. Because I would love to be on $160,000 a year. I would like the Libs to be screaming about this more. And I, I note that every single case study they come out with, um, first of all, they're, they're almost all actual Liberal Party operatives, like former presidents of branches at least. Like, they're all really unsympathetic people who are clearly associated with the, with the Libs. But um, they find it really hard to find any examples of something. In fact, I'm, I have not seen a sympathetic example. They have not been able to find one that an ordinary punter, a centrist punter, a punter who might switch between Labor and Liberal Party, they haven't been able to find an example of somebody 
who is, would be affected and how they would be affected that is in any way sympathetic. And they, they can't because the only people who are affected are obscenely rich people who are rotting the system. And like, it's, it's, it's a problem for them because they can't... In almost every other situation, they can find... They can sort of construct a case study of somebody which seems sympathetic, of somebody who'd, who'd be negatively affected by a change. But the, yeah, they're right. That case study in the Daily Telegraph was the best they could do and I can't. I can, I want the Liberals to keep trumpeting this retirement tax bullshit. I want them to make this the election issue that they go that, that they go to the mat on, because I do not believe. I look. I have little faith in the Australian uh, electorate. The, I mean, hell, we keep electing the, the Liberal Party somehow. I mean, not a majority of Australians, but you know, enough concentrated in the right seats. But I don't think that. Your working Liberal Party voter, your average ordinary person who um, is still paying tax, the people who who vote Liberal because they resent paying tax, I don't think any of them are going to be um, happy to learn that they've been paying tax to people much richer than they are. And I think this will backfire spectacularly on the libs. I think this is the least sympathetic thing they could be going on. And what they are doing is removing the veil and screaming about what's underneath the veil to people who only agree, who only were not outraged by it because they didn't realise what was under the freaking veil. Yeah. Look, please go ahead. I I, don't, I love I love that the you know the the Financial Review, the Australian, all the uh, News Corp tabloids are one hundred percent trying to hammer Labor on this, but it's it really is a turd that's hard to polish. And I noticed that I think the Daily Telegraph had a, a front page this week. But they were trying to suggest that this was an out, an outrageous policy from Labor because none of the people on Labor's front bench were benefiting from it as it was right now, and so none of them were going to suffer from the change. Mm. So it's like that, <laughs> I would be interested to know how many people from the Libs would have benefited from it. Well, I'm willing to bet that mo- the people from the Libs are paying tax because they are earning a, a public salary, mm. even though they can use ne- they're all negatively gearing properties and you know reducing their taxable income down to pr- probably nothing anyway. Well. You're right. There might be actually a few of them who are taking advantage of the rule. I suspect not many, but it's an interesting attack on a political party. Listen, readers of the Daily Telegraph, the Labor Party front bench won't be taking advantage of this rort that is only granted to people who don't pay tax because they pay tax. Be angry with the front bench of the Labor Party for paying taxes. Like, what a weird attack. It's also a weird attack from them to be running like parliamentarians should not be legislating on things that they don't have any personal interest in. Yeah, it's sort of the opposite. It's supposed to be the opposite of that. I mean, pretty much everything that the, the federal liberals do is harming people who are who in ways that they like. The fact that they've ground the the poor into the into the you know earth with almost every policy they've brought in on Centrelink. I mean, that doesn't affect them directly. I don't remember the Daily Telegraph screaming that they shouldn't be doing that. Everything they do, all the cruelty to refugees, like that doesn't affect them personally. Yeah, it's a weird attack, but yeah, I think the I think the, the takeaway is it's the sort of thing that a smarter conservative party would be able to see is not their strong point. Like they have strong points that they can run with a mass audience, mm. as in opposed to their very small elite rich audience. Those people are voting conservative anyway, just because on tax. But obviously, right wing parties have pitches that they can make. They can appeal to xenophobia. They can always appeal to fear. They can appear, appeal to um, you're being ripped off by the people underneath you. We must grind the poor further into the earth because they're coming for you next. You know, they've, they've got their populist appeals that they can run, generally racism and, you know, picking another and, and, uh, and uh, 
persecute them. But this one isn't that. This is, we're overtly telling you that you're being ripped off. Won't you come fight with us? <laughs> like, I, if that works, if I am wrong on this and this does not backfire on them, then, look, I'm, I'm taking a, a period of time to go and, and reflect on what it is that I understand about mm. you know, Australian politics and the human psyche. But um, because I, I, I think this is a massive own goal for them. And it's one that if they were smarter, they would see. Like, normally they're well aware that the shit that benefits the rich you shut up about. Mm. You tell, talk to the rich quietly about it so they know and they donate money to you. But you don't have a big advertising campaign screaming to people about this thing that they'll be outraged about if, if they find out about it. Well, Jeremy, if you're wrong, as penance, you can go off and study uh, economic geography. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, Cam, had you even heard about this concept of economic geography before tonight? It's not something I was especially familiar with, I have to admit. Look, we had cause based on some audio that I'll play in a moment. Uh, obtained and and, record and saved at great personal cost, I'd like to point out, because uh, I had to buffer this uh, in order to record it and to grab the audio using, you know, Malcolm's faux NBN. And seriously, if you look at the full audio that this Scott Morrison interview on 730, uh if you look at the audio track of it, that I, as I grabbed it using our home internet, like there are these huge gaps of buffering silence all through it. So what I'm going to play you, this took time and effort to pull together, even though it is like a very short grab of audio. Anyway, um, yeah, we after listening to this, we did have cause to go and look up what Scott Morrison's actual qualifications were. Uh, but look, let, let me play it to you. While we're on Labor, you've said repeatedly today that the Australian economy will be weaker under a Labor government because it will impose higher taxes. Where's, your, where's your evidence that higher taxes weaken an economy? Well, I think it's just fundamental economics 101, Lee. Talk about living in a bubble, Cam. Like, mm. the only people who think that it is a lay-down law of the universe that taxes equal economic disaster... Uh, or, or even are a, an economic negative necessarily? Like I'm sure there are ways of applying taxes that are negative economically, but if if Scott Morrison thinks that there is no there's no economic basis in which taxes can improve an economy, can uh, put money back into an economy, as opposed to I don't know diluting all of the nation's resources to the very rich who just sit on it, as opposed to like the very the very straightforward economic truth that's reasonably well established is that the poor spend more of their money they spend most of their money because they have to whereas the rich uh can sit on it because they don't need to spend it so if you if if you allocate more resources to the poor it goes into the economy and creates economic activity that creates jobs that creates economic growth like that that seems to me to and i haven't done an economics 101 course and even i know that no i would i'd question the you know the myopic conservative concept that there is nothing more important than a uh, a surplus, a budget surplus. Oh yeah, I mean, where does that? He was a treasurer. Where does that money come from? Exactly. Yes, a, the, the most important thing that that we want from our government is that they take more money from us and then just sit on it. They don't spend it on services back for us. They sit on it, or as we call it, a surplus. We're wondering whether Scott Morrison had in fact like ever been to an economics one hundred and one course, and it's impossible to find out from. The online record, as far as we've been able to see, we, we looked. His Wikipedia says that he has a Bachelor of Science and his, his um, parliamentary website says he has an honours degree in science from the University of New South Wales. Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page did say that he was doing, he did a, a degree or a course in 
economic geography, but the, the source for that was an article in The Monthly which said he did economics and geography, which is not the same thing. And so we're not 100% certain just to what, what extent he did. He didn't do an economics degree. If he did economics, it was uh, he did some subjects from within the science degree. And did he do economics 101? If I was the University of New South Wales, <laughs> I would be making very clear right now that either he didn't do any of our economics courses, he didn't do economics 101, or if he did attend an economics 101 course, I'd be looking at the attendance records and trying to prove to people that he didn't come to any classes and that they can't be blamed for Scott Morrison's understanding of economics. Precisely. It's not a good advert. He, he might have been off that day. Like, what, where did, what course? Like, you know what? There should be some trolling journalists taking the piss going over and actually talking to some of the... Whoever it is who takes Economics 101 at the University of New South Wales and talking to the lecturers and saying, hey... Um, any part of your course that teaches kids that taxes are... Uh, Inherently bad? Yeah. Which which subject is that? And what, what are they basing that on? Which, which part of the... Which, which you know, week's readings uh, lead lead to that conclusion? What did it, How astonishing. And that's a man who was treasurer of the country. Hmm. Like, for some reason, he thinks that giving more money, taking money out of uh, starving the poor so that you can give money to the very rich... Is somehow a driver of economic growth because what the, the these self-funded retirees who aren't self-funded if we're giving them our taxes no. like how, that's not what self-funded means. But um, what what are they going to do? Like he thinks that if we don't give them um, a, a cash payout, then they won't they won't be incentivized to do as much retiring as they do. Yeah, what we're going to see the end what of is... the grey nomad. I mean. I know that obviously these people are spending money for their lifestyles, but the point of it is that the, if you've got enough assets that you're getting these huge share dividends um, and you've structured your affairs in such a way that you, you're paying, you've got this tax-free income and you're getting these giant payouts, you must have a huge asset pool. You can spend some of your asset pool. And you're getting paid far more a year from that asset pool than most people... Who are working. ...will ever hope to. Who yeah. are, like, I, I have... I have a big problem with the idea that we tax labour harder than the sort of than, than economic activity that doesn't require any effort at all. Just a benefit of being, like capital gains. Capital gains are I have stuff and it increased in value and then I sold it. I made money on that. That's income, and you get taxed vastly less than if you had gone out and worked. And done that. And if the whole point, if you're worrying that, that taxes are a disincentive to do stuff and it's important for stuff to be done, shouldn't the stuff that we're disincentivizing not be actual work? Mm. Shouldn't shouldn't we be tougher on, you know, people just owning shit than we are on people working and doing stuff and producing? Yeah, on wealthy bludgers. What an extraordinary... And, and that's the other thing. So Scott Morrison's argument, this whole thing at 7.30 was uh, him having a... Because their they, campaign is... Uh, Labor is going to cause a recession. Like <clears throat> this, they just came up with this ridiculous thought bubble line, and the Australian and Fairfax, although it's not really Fairfax anymore, it's, it's you know Channel Nine running Fairfax into the ground. Um, but they're running on their front page this the Prime Minister warning of a recession, and there's no basis for it, and none of the journalists have bothered asking him his, the basis for it. Like he gets his front page to scare people about an upcoming recession that's based on nothing. Anything goes for the next few months anything that they think they can possibly get away with i think we're going to see very clearly 
how much of the nation's media, um, who are all owned by you know rich people, by definition, and I think we're going to see very clearly uh, the rich people arguing, exerting as much force as they can through their media holdings to maintain their ill-gotten privileges to an absurd extent. But look, the the longer that they all hang around in the same bubble as the Liberal Party, where they think that this is somehow a winning point for them, like good luck, good luck on that. That that said, I probably shouldn't be mocking them for their as if they don't know what's going on and that they don't know what they're doing. Because of course, what we had this week was uh, the Banking Commission report come down. Uh, we also found out just how closely the banks worked with the government on the, setting the terms of reference of that, like the point where the banks were sending Ken Henry who was, I think it was the CEO of the NAB, but anyway, he's sending the, the letter on behalf of the big banks to um, then Prime Minister Turnbull, uh, setting out, you know, it was a draft letter, so they could all sort of have have their public letter calling for the inquiry, but have it approved by the government, and the government already have its it, its terms of, uh, it reference to this inquiry, that everybody's pushing for a banking royal commission, and this is their way of fudging it so that it has the least impact on them. And you can see how effectively they did that by virtue of the fact that once the report came down, bank shares skyrocketed. Yeah. That is not... If that... You could say, hey, bank share skyrocketing is evidence that everything was fine. But we already saw the revelations. Even the revelations in the uh, express, sped through, cut cut down version of the commission that they ran, um, which again was one of the things that the banks were, were, were seeking, that it be done really fast. And so that's what they did. Um even then, even with that limited process, we still saw plenty of examples of outrageous rorts and, and despicable behaviour that needs to be reined in. Like, not not random examples, but systemic abuse. Mm. I'm not sure the, sh- the shareholders cared about that. I, but how damning is it that we, the public can see what they're doing wrong and then we can see that they're not being punished at all for it and that nothing's going to change and that the evidence of that being that the bank shares skyrocketed. The bank, share, the bank shareholders know they're not going to get, that there's no consequence, that they're going to be able to keep on doing this shit. In fact, if anything, uh, there's going to be a uh, shutdown on the um, mortgage broker bit so that more the banks get more money. Hmm. I thought, I'm, I'm not entirely, I'm not 100% sure on this insider trading uh, theory. It, it was, no, there's, it's, it's a bit iffy about the timing of it and how it happened, but some, the, what was it, $500 million of, of uh, shares bought suddenly first thing in the morning. Yeah. I think that could be that could be explained by the fact that ever I think at that point people were aware that not due to any particular insider knowledge, but there was an awareness that uh, the fine, the recommendations were probably not going to be too severe, and that that was just a yeah. Given that, given given that the banks had set it all yeah, up for themselves, that was I think that was more a correction of uh, the shares going down previously on the back of fear that there was going to be more severe uh, recommendations, and then that. When they went up fairly quickly before the report came out, I think that was just the last opportunity to jump in before you saw them really go up when the report came out. And it was revealed that, uh, yeah, as expected, very little punishment. Well, no, because some of the, but there were things that it was expected that the recommendations would hold that didn't end up happening. Like there, it was even softer than you would expect. So there, yeah. there is. There's public knowledge, what, what people who are generally trading knew and would have expected. And then, but that 
there's a, there's a difference between that and then some a very small number of individuals who may or may not have been connected to uh, the report or, or have known about it putting a lot of money suddenly. Like it's not that, that the whole market realised it. It was it felt it felt very insider trading in the sense that it was certain people suspicious seemed suspiciously accurate about exactly how lame it was going to be. we ahead of the rest of the market. Anyway, they'll they'll do it. They can do an inquiry and find out. The Labor Party is calling for ASIC to look into it. They should be able to tell if anybody's done some particularly big trades and figure it out. Yeah, and um, not to get too far into the conspiracy side of things, which is <laughs> that's your whole podcast. That's my whole thing. Uh, it, it reminds me. Looking at the stories about it, it reminded me of uh, before nine eleven. There was a lot of suspicious trading around the uh, like the airline shares and around like uh, travel insurance companies. Uh, which people profited quite significantly from what then happened, but uh, it was all just coincidences. It was you know people buying shares and not realizing you know as part of larger strategies and things. That's what it reminded me of. I am still a little bit suspicious though. I'm, I'm a bit suspicious. Like I, the thing is, I think I think that I think that it is very plausible that the banks already knew what was what was in it. Yeah, and that therefore people at the banks knew that, and there will be people at the banks who will be more than happy to take advantage of that that knowledge if they could get away with it. Like it, it, I don't think it's unlikely at all that that people at the banks did know about it and did know that it was going to be lame and would have been like, "Ooh, we can make some cash on this." I mean, that's that, like what we learned from the Banking Royal Commission is how shonky those people are and how they will they will do shit like that. Hmm. Well, I mean, some of the stuff we found out, so or some of the recommendations though. I mean, some of the severest recommendations are, you know, you have to stop doing this, this, and this. And these are things that they've already had to stop doing because they've come out in the Royal Commission. So it's not really... There's nothing changing with some of the, like, most serious recommendations, which, again, are only recommendations. And the government's not going to even do them. The government's like, nah. Well, the government's promised that they're going to do all of them, but they're not going to be the government for in a couple of months. I, I know. I thought they came out and they were saying that things like the mortgage broker thing. Like, they, Labor came out and said they were going to do all of them, and the government was trying to trying to hit them for it. But then then they were trying to be... Then it looked like they were defending the banks, and they that's not a good look at the moment, given what the banks have been exposed as doing. Hmm. So then they were running the bit about the mortgage brokers. So Frydenberg figured out that, hang on, Labor's going to implement the recommendation about um, shutting down these sort of long-tail uh, um, commissions for mortgage brokers and start shutting that down, which means that that work will go to the banks. So actually, by endorsing this recommendation from the Royal Commission, Labor is doing the bidding of the banks. See, it's not us who are doing the bidding of the banks. Ignore that email that we <laughs> where we discussed it with them closely. But uh, actually, no, you're, no, no, it's actually Labor. I did see another one that they were that the, the libs were wavering on, which was about a. Tightening up regulation of non-bank loans from like car companies, which, if you look to the US example, that's like the new subprime mortgage disaster that's looming on the horizon, is that you have all of this completely unregulated car loans going out there where people are getting loans for things that they have no way of ever paying back, and it's just bubbling away, and eventually that bubble has to pop. That's right. The taxpayers will just pay for it. It's a smaller market here, but. To think that it's not worth regulating is, I think, again, myopic. Talking of things that are depressing, Australia versus humanity. So, a couple of things this week. Uh, starting with, we had uh, ASIO stopping women fleeing Saudi Arabia uh, from getting on the plane. Um, we have them... It was just ex- astonishing. We have them... Uh, the, the, the situation with Akeem where they actually told them that they were... That they told him that it was safe to go to Thailand on a holiday... 
uh, and then uh, tipped off the authorities to get him arrested because Bahrain wants him. Well, the whole the timing around that is very suspicious. Uh, that Bahrain just happened to put out the red note, the Interpol red notice, which again, Interpol shouldn't have issued that red notice because he is a refugee, but that that red notice was issued on the same day that he pl- applied for his tourist visa. Yeah, I we haven't seen an explanation for it, and it's extraordinary. I, I don't get why Australia would be doing that. Like, what's the... But then Australia has also informed the ties of the red notice. Like, it's like somebody in Australia deliberately set it up, but why? What have they got against Hakeem? Like, what's... I don't understand what the... Like, it looks very much like we screwed him deliberately, but I don't know why. It does. And now... But now we're very keen to get him back. <laughs> well, because the public have found out about it and, they, and they're very angry about it. Yeah. It's just... It's, it's such a strange one. And and now the, now the red notice is completely gone, by the way, and it's the only reason he's still in Thai custody is because Bahrain has now put through a separate extradition request. Well, that is... Extraordinary and weird, and I will be fascinated to hear or learn down the track. I mean, presumably we'll learn down the track at some point what the whole, what is going on and why Australia's playing funny buggers with this, yeah. but possibly not till after the election. As long as none of it's an on-water matter. Well, so Nauru, kids off, kids off Nauru. The government is claiming that that they've uh, that their, their policies have been working so well that they can get the kids off Nauru. Uh, at the same time, that they're they're doing everything in their power to demand that there be no uh, change for medical transfers, the Karen Phelps legislation, and they're trying to claim that uh, Labor has been briefed by ASIO that you know, despite the fact that they're doing boat turnbacks and they're claiming the boats have stopped, if we let refugees who are sick come to Australia, there'll be thousands of them. Mm. Apparently what they're saying is there are thousands of very sick refugees who will come to Australia. And they're trying to claim, oh, oh but it's yeah. just doctors. You can't trust doctors. Doctors are compassionate. Like, And, you know, Dr. Di Natale and Dr. Brown from the Greens, they might approve it. Like, we'll pretend, ignore for a second that, that both of them are not current like medical practitioners and would not be able to. But I love the line that they're like, well, surely we're better at picking whether somebody is sick than doctors. What are doctors, though? Yeah. <sighs> Monstrous. Oh, the liberal line. I saw this in a bit of propaganda. Uh, we've gotten the last of the kids that Labor left on Nauru. Uh, so, so this thing where they're like, okay, first of all, they've spent millions and millions of dollars fighting to try and make sure that these kids could not be brought to Australia. These are sick kids, and we're talking about medical transfers. And Peter Dutton has spent, and I would like journalists to be asking him, how much money did you spend fighting all of these people? List them. In fact, it should be on the public record. How much money was spent fighting each of these people, these children being brought to Australia for medical treatment? Mm. I want that total because they're, the Morrison government are busy trumpeting that they, they're bringing these kids out of Nauru. Are you? Because it seems to me like you've been forced to do it with, this, with the diagnosably sick ones. And the other part of it is kids off Nauru, they're not like that they're actually off Nauru, but that there's a pathway. Like, over what time period? They're not off Nauru. You said they were off Nauru, like, in 2017. You said there weren't any more kids on Nauru. You've been saying... You've said this before. And it's just been reported like, oh, yeah, kids are off Nauru. Are they? (laughs) What? The other thing is, I don't know if you saw today with the Phelps uh, legislation that's proposed, which is likely to get up. And so it'll be... The the Libs are going to lose this vote in the lower house. Morrison has said he's just going to ignore it. Yes! Why do I, the Prime Minister of Australia, whose role is not in the Constitution, and I'm only there because the Parliament appoints me, why do I have to listen to the Parliament that appoints me, through which my power, such as it is, derives? What an extraordinary 
fellow. I but it, hey, nobody's claiming that he did a politics one hundred and one course. No, it's just an insane thing to say though. And like the if they actually did that, if somehow if they were to say, all right, even though this law has been passed, we're not going to allow this to happen. I think that would be the end, right, of this government. Yeah, he obviously. Well, it's a, he's not the president. No. He, doesn't, he can't, like, block parliament. No. If he doesn't command parliament, then parliament, like, they can replace him with someone else. Like, if he... It, what does what he get to do? If parliament passes a law, that's the law. It doesn't matter whether Scummo likes it or not. Yeah. And talking about things that Scummo doesn't like, he doesn't like the idea of an indigenous voice in parliament. And uh, there was, this, is, this audio here is him putting ludicrous sta- um, demands on what would have to be established that an Indigenous voice to Parliament was definitely going to change before one could be justified. Pretty practical focus on these things. I want to see Indigenous families in jobs. I want to see Indigenous kids safe. And I want to see them in school because that's what gives them a bright future. And uh, we've got so much to do here. Um, And so it's those practical things that matter most to me when it comes to Indigenous Australians. Right. Well, the, Isn't that the merit that you're looking What addresses it is kids actually being in school. What it actually is assisted by that is ensure that there's law and order in these communities. What actually assists it is if a young girl has been abused and she has no one to tell and she commits suicide. Mm. Fixing that is what matters and that's what I'm focused on. Well, that would have to be demonstrated. That would have to be demonstrated. So he's a prime minister, and he has not achieved any of those things, but an Indigenous voice would have to uh, establish that they could demonstrate fixing those things for him before they could be heard. Like, what? Also, I love it. It's really hard to hear what the questioner is asking him before he comes in and says, well, actually, I'd be doing this. So, voice to Parliament address some of the issues you've just listed. Well, the- what addresses it is kids actually being in school. What it actually is assisted by that is ensure that there's law and order in these communities. What actually assists it? What are you actually proposing? It is very much like uh, this clip from, yes, Prime Minister, a long time ago. But what are you going to say? Say? <laughs> yes, uh, about policies. Oh, policies? Yes, well, I thought it'd be the usual thing, you know, go forward together, better tomorrow, tighten your belt, all pull together, heal the wounds, that sort of thing. <laughs> yes, but what will you be saying specifically? Oh, specifically? Uh, well, I thought I'd suggest that we all specifically tighten our belts. <laughs> specifically heal the specific wounds in society. See what I mean? But yeah, Scott, Scott doesn't have any specific plans to deal with any of these things and it's all just his sort of, you know, run around. Like, his Prime Minister Tube is just like running around to FM radio stations and, and being sleazy and having a couple, bit of cultural shit, but he doesn't have any actual policies or plans to actually address anything in substance. All, the, all His only, only stuff is tax cuts. The Howard government had a practical plan to address school attendance rates in <laughs> Indigenous communities, amongst other things. They had the Northern Territory Emergency Intervention Yes, but, but, but that, that's sort of bitter laughter there because that, that, of course, caused far more harm than it in any way has um, helped with. But, I mean, specifically in relation to school attendance, uh, school attendance rates uh, dropped after the intervention compared to before. Well, the other point is, 
like simply sending a, a kid to a poorly resourced shitty school where there's no pathways that there, there aren't any decent opportunities where all the government ever throws at uh, the indigenous community is poorly thought through lip service crap and Scott Morrison saying oh the solution is just that, that they go to school and then do what like there's yeah. not these which schools and don't like you you've set up a system whereby we taxpayers are funding the richest freaking schools in the country to buy you know their fifth polo field where poor public schools are left with you know barely able to keep the classrooms under 50 degrees yeah I think the only conclusion you can come to about what he's actually proposing when he's saying that the students have to actually be in school and the way we're going to do that is through some sort of law and order campaign is he's proposing, oh, we'll get truant officers. We'll have child catchers out there making sure they go to school. And what what he means is we're going to punish parents if they don't go to school. We're going to see, well, parents next. All of those things, that, which we're not going to talk about parents next, but all of these things that were experimented on Indigenous communities during the NT intervention. Yeah, every single idea they have is one that makes the lives of Indigenous people worse. Like, same as with anybody who's utilising Social Security or relying on Social Security. Like, every idea that the Conservatives have almost runs through a filter in their head, which is, would this make their lives worse? Is this the thing that, that people who hate them would like? Yeah. Is it? Yes, cool. The only option they have available to them, if this is what they're proposing, is to make it more punitive. And it's already so punitive that doesn't seem like it could go any further the solution of course is to fund the schools yeah is to increase funding to schools in remote communities and then people there'll be more people going to school and there'll be more point to them going to school like how do kids aren't going to go to school when there's no pathway afterwards when they see kids who graduated from those schools who are still stuck with nothing yeah and no opportunities like like you the, the schools need to be not shit and there needs to be a point Anyway, that's not the approach. The Conservatives aren't interested in actually helping Indigenous people, but they are interested in claiming that they're helping them whilst also punching them. Yeah. Um, same as, same as, for example, Kerry-Anne Kenley. Yes. Now, let me play... This is kind of, you know, it's now the 7th... Of, we're recording this on the 7th of February. It's, it's now a little bit in the past, and it's kind of the last moment that we can mention this before it drops off completely. But uh, this was a nasty thing that happened just after the um, 26th of January protests. And Kerry-Anne Kenley, in a discussion about not holding uh, a national day of celebration on a day that uh, is symbolic of the dispossession and, and the start of massacres of Indigenous people. This is what she did to try and divert away from it. What about the 5,000 people who um, uh, went through the streets making their point known? Has any single one of those 5,000 people waving the flags saying how inappropriate the day is, has any one of them been out to the outback where children, babies, five-year-olds are being raped, their mothers are being raped, their sisters are being raped, they get no education what have you done? I'm sure it, that is not even faintly true, Kerry, and you're sounding quite racist right now. Oh, I'm offended oh, by oh, that, yeah. Yumi. Well, keep going then, because every time you open your mouth, you're sounding racist. I am seriously oh. offended by that, Yumi. Okay. Look, I think... I seriously think this... offended. To, to tell me, okay, my question was how many of those people have gone out? I bet a lot of them have. Uh, have uh, well, I'd like to know. Do you know? Do you have any proof? And they're walking through the streets. And, and has the, the any implication of them gone is, to Carrie Ann, that women are being raped here. 
in big cities. Yeah, but I'm talking about and the children are being raped here in big as, cities. As what Joe just said, what Joe just said was uh, the uh, the report that came out when these people need desperately help. It is most of the Aboriginal elder women who are just desperate for help and they're not getting it. Where are these people on one day of the year want to make, you'd be better off going actually doing something positive. Look, I think this is a topic that really, um, it, it, it really fires people up and I think mostly think? Every, everyone <laughs> has their hearts in the right place and everyone wants to do the right thing. So let's just take it back a notch. Everything's going to be cool. Just because I have um, a point of view, Yumi, doesn't mean I'm racist. Yeah, you're, you're actually connecting rape, uh, child abuse. Now, I'm asking you're drawing rape. a straight line. If anyone of these people who feel so strongly about this have ever done yeah, and anything you're also, in by that the... statement, you're also implying that those 5,000 protesters, none of whom you know personally, are all lazy and idle and indolent. I did on not this. say yes, that. Yes, because you're, so you're asking me. Yeah, you're asking don't, me if any of them have ever done anything, as though it's clear that they line. haven't. No, don't draw a line that isn't there. That's the line. I see it quite clearly. Well, get new glasses. Yeah. Oh, come on. What a zinger. There's so much wrong there. You know, Cam, it's a good point. If, if you want to change the date as a, you know, not each year throwing salt in the eyes of Indigenous people, if you think that Australia should change the date that it celebrates, uh, it has a National Day of Celebration, you can't do it. It's not, it's just wrong of you to do that. You don't have any moral authority unless you have gone up to the middle of Australia, you've gone to a remote community and stood in that community and, I don't know, personally built a school. Uh, like, what the hell is, what kind of a bonkers standard is that? That before you can have an opinion about a thing that we do, and, like, she's talking about January 26th, like, she has an opinion about it. Like, before you can express an opinion, apparently you have to do an impossible thing that is actually only a government can do. Like, what did she su suggest that, that the protesters... I should actually do that to to remove indigenous disadvantage. They specifically they the idea that that um, she can draw have a bit of a racial slur and say, look, hey, Aboriginal people, you can't advocate for a less damaging day to uh, for Australia to, to rub salt in the wound unless there is no there are no crimes being committed in your communities. Like, imagine if they applied that standard to white people. White people say stuff all the freaking time, and there's plenty of crimes being committed by white people. There were, there are a few things I noticed about that grab. Firstly, that she immediately changed the goalposts from I bet there's nobody in that crowd who has done anything to help anything to oh, most people probably haven't. So she, she... <laughs> I also like that she's like, she's made the assertion that has anybody. Like, and do, I don't know, Carrie ann did you ask someone? And then she turns around and Jimmy's like, I'm sure some of them have. And she's like, oh, how can you know that? Well, she knows as much that there, there might be someone as you know that you don't think there is one. Like, she's, she's just as... Or her, her evidence on that is, is no less credible than yours, Carrie Ann. Also, when she refers to the, you know, child abuse in the Northern Territory, and she refers to her reports of it, is she referring to the widely discredited late line reports that featured uh, one of Mel Bruss' advisors lying about who he was in silhouette? Probably because she's never. There hasn't been in her defence of this. She hasn't gone and cited any evidence for her claims. People are raping babies. What mm. did she mix up? Like the the Liberal Party's justification for the intervention, which was this bullshit seven thirty or four corners seven thirty, wasn't it? Yeah, seven thirty report. Yeah, this discredited bullshit from uh, that they broadcast. 
Did she mix that up with, I don't know, Book of Mormon? Like, raping babies? What is she talking about? How how much does she think that that is a thing that... I mean, God almighty, what is wrong with her? What I, what I found... Like, you, you could not find a more obscene racial slur than to assert, hey, we don't have to give a damn about that community and about what that community calls for because they rape babies. I mean, God, could you get a more vicious blood libel than that? Yeah, I really recommend... Uh, there's an article that New Matilda published back in 2017 by Chris Graham, who was uh, formerly uh, the editor, I think, of the National Indigenous Times. He wrote a piece called Bad Auntie, 10 Years On, which is about... Uh, oh, it was Late Line, not the 7.30 report. Uh, which was all about how Late Line sparked the intervention... <laughs> And dismantles bit by bit all of the just ridiculous lies that were featured in Late Line's reports. Like, just insane stuff that uh, weirdly Media Watch hasn't ever touched. Really? They've never, they've never called it out? Uh, not at the time of publication of this. Wow. But uh, it also notes the statistics. that, And this, I was reminded of this when uh, Scott Morrison was talking about you know, this young girl self-harming or killing herself, which, again, there's been, a, I think, a spate of uh, yeah, young Indigenous suicides quite recently, which didn't really engender a huge amount of compassion from them. But anyway... He's happy to throw uh, it out there. Like, this is a classic thing. They are happy to use um, any examples of disadvantage from a community when mm. it's being used to bash that community. Yeah. They don't in any way... They're not interested in helping that community. They don't say, this is a terrible thing. What can we do to help? Let's find out what the causes were and let's see if we can implement something. You know, this must not happen. We will do everything in our power to assist those communities and, and to, to get past this. No, it's only ever thrown up as a stick to beat them with. Yeah, well, here's... Um, Tris Graham reported that a, a subsequent federal government review of the intervention found that incidents of attempted suicide and self-harm in Indigenous communities had more than quadrupled since the launch of the intervention. Weirdly, grinding people further into the into the dust yep. has that effect. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, school attendance rates dropped, starvation rates and anemia rates spiked. Oh, here's, here's a test as to whether or not something is a genuine attempt to address disadvantage in a community. Do the people who hate that community, do the people who are the most outspoken critics of that community and the people who say the nastiest things about it, do they like this policy? Do they mm. think this policy is a good idea? If they do, then it's not a policy to help that community. It's a policy to help the people who hate that community. Yep. Uh, the rates of uh, child sexual assault stayed the same. They did not change at all. And obviously what this was was another classic bit of water battery. And we see this all the time where they're like, you see it on anti-refugee stuff. You're like, oh, you want to treat the refugees with compassion. But what about the poor and homeless in Australia? From the same people who constantly vote for governments that treat the poor and homeless Worse, as we would, well, you know, when we do get a chance to discuss how the the right wing conservative um, anti refugee government that um, s supposedly is busy not spending money being nice to refugees, weirdly they're still uh, imposing financial penalties on the homeless. It's weird that the right wing parties that do the nasty shit to refugees are the same ones who are nasty to the homeless. It's almost like they don't give a shit about the homeless; they're just a rhetorical device. But this water battery, like. And and obviously, Carrie Ann Kennelly was doing what about what has this got to do with the issue at hand, which was do we need to keep you know throw, rubbing salt in the wound with picking uh, January twenty sixth as a national day of celebration? Like that issue, if anything, Indigenous disadvantage is an argument as to why we should be more sympathetic and why we should move the date. But to turn around and use that as a, as an argument as to why they should be silent is mm. just insane. But 
I mean, it's like it is one of the classic conservative arguments because I suppose what you're doing is conservatives are often called on um, by the left, by progressives, to be compassionate to a group. And it is apparently, I mean, it's always going to be easy for them to find another group that's doing it tough, particularly because they work really hard to create a lot of groups that are doing it tough. Um, Anybody but Mm. them, really. And it's like a classic conservative like diversion to immediately turn around and go, well, what about these more deserving people that we're persecuting? Why don't you care about them? Basically, I just think people need to, like it needs to become a shorthand that when somebody pulls it, you're just like, no, nope, that's vacuous water battery. We know the trick you're playing. No, we can, we can look after both. And um, I'm more than happy to have a discussion about them, but this is the topic you are trying to distract from the actual topic at hand. No, I'm not going to be diverted. And, it, and then we were diverted. Like the, the topic immediately stopped being about any, any kind of uh, action on January 26th. And it was immediately a million think pieces from conservative trollists throughout the land about how mean it was that Yumi Steins had called Kerry Ann Kennelly a racist, which no, she didn't. The audio, we just played the audio. She didn't no, call her a racist. She said she was sounding racist, what she was saying. She described the words as being racist, not, she didn't say that Kerry Ann Kennelly was generally racist. I mean, since that time, Kerry Ann Kennelly has clearly demonstrated that she is. And I'm willing to say it. But yeah, yeah the whole thing was about her hurt feelings. And, and Kerry Ann Kennelly is angry with Channel 10 that they didn't defend her enough. And she had to write the, 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 the think piece in the Daily Telegraph about how, you know, she's really concerned about these Indigenous people that she's never done anything to support herself before. Besides anything else, the idea that just the people who are out protesting, there was not 5,000 or 50,000 or across the country, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people. They weren't all holding signs saying, change the date. This is a protest saying, some people are saying change the date. And a lot of, lots and lots and lots of people are saying, change the country. Change the nation. Yeah, change the nation. Exactly. They're... So they were specifically <laughs> campaigning for us to treat Indigenous people better. But but she's like, well, how can you lobby a government to do stuff unless you yourself have done the things that you're asking the government to yeah. do? Because you as an individual have the same powers as a government. What? In the moment that she's complaining about, they're literally doing the thing that she wants them to do. No, no, she wants them to go to the... They, she wants them to literally travel to the middle of Australia, <laughs> do some poverty tourism, and stand there and be like, yep, this is grim. I am going to personally build a hospital. With what? I mean, I'm sure this will. There'll be a royal commission into the NT intervention in I don't know 20 years or enough of the MPs involved have, have died off. Yeah, it'll be, and that'll have no effect. Like we had the royal commission to the deaths in custody, and they none of the recommendations have been properly implemented anyway. Yeah, like people are still dying in the same ways that the that the recommendations specifically would have stopped. Well. It followed. I'm not saying that we need a royal commission to find out uh, why the NTA intervention went wrong. You can see that it's on the face of it. You can see what went wrong. It'd be interesting to know where all the money went. Yes, and we see lots of examples of whenever these policies come in, like the cashless welfare card, which they, of course, imposed on Indigenous people first, that it's Liberal Party donor companies that are making a mint out of doing these things. Like, there's, there, there is a money trail. Um and separate from a money trail, I also note that, of course, in the defence of Kerry and Kennelly, they got all of their their best friend Indigenous people in. So you got your Jacinta Prices and you've got your um, Warren Mundines, basically your conservative Indigenous people who are put up all of a sudden as soon as as soon as you need to have shit. Can you find me a, a an Aboriginal friend who like who who will back me up? Yeah, in a large population, you're going to be able to find some people who will say whatever shit you want them to say. Particularly if, say, they've just been pre-selected for the Liberal Party. Particularly after the government gave $220,000 to Sky for their show, like Ron Mundine. 
Yeah, you can find... But it does, what does that prove? These people haven't been elected by the community. They don't speak for the Indigenous community. They are just some Indigenous people who have a view that you like. You would be able to find countless, and there are lots of people uh, from the Indigenous community pointing out why what Kerry Ann Kenley had said was deeply harmful. Weirdly enough, they didn't get invited onto the TV to... Uh, to point that out, only the people... In fact, the former producer of the, the program that Kerry Ann Kelly was on specifically came out and wrote a think piece about how this is why Yumi, he would have never had Yumi Steins on. You don't have people on who will call out racism when it's there. Everybody else on that panel knew to shut up and let the racism happen. Yeah. But Yumi Steins didn't, and that's why she shouldn't have been... That's why the system is designed to stop people like her being on the television in the first place. Now, I didn't get the uh, $220,000 payment to Sky for Warren Mundane Show, because... I thought they were cutting funding to community television. <laughs> Not even signed by Rupert, but yes. They, they dream of having the numbers of Channel 31. Look, that, let's leave it there because there, there is... I still do want to talk about the war on the poor and um, even, even the bonkers culture warship from the IPA that we had. But look, we're well over time because, oh my God, each of these topics is beyond the scope of a single episode. Cam, thank you for indulging this particular discussion. No worries. And it's lovely having you back. We'll look forward to having you back next week with a Stuck in My Craw. Yep, no worries. If listeners are interested, you can find my conspiracy podcast, The Hypothetical Institute, wherever you find your podcasts. Where uh, We'd probably be talking more about the Royal Commission's terms being limited to stop uh, people finding out that the all of your birth certificates are held at the headquarters of the Commonwealth Bank, which of course belongs to the US government. How much of this is is you guys taking the piss and how much of it is you actually being wacky conspiracy theorists? We are always taking the piss. I did read that just before we started, but I didn't manage to slip it in. Cam can also be found on the Gather Around Me podcast with Ben Pobji as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers for continuing to support the podcast. Uh, thank you to our listeners who have come back uh, week after week. Thank you to uh, everybody who's left us a positive review on iTunes. Uh, it would be very much appreciated actually to have some positive reviews coming back now to sort of have some fresh ones coming through. And thank you to Robin Gray for the music. Thank you, Alex Lum, for the artwork. Thank you again to Cam. Thank you to all of our listeners. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.